You're listening to the Strong Roots Podcast, the show about strengthening our roots with discussions about health and wealth with your host, Carrie B. Carrie will cover a wide range of topics ranging from gut health to changing habits to managing our money. And just like life, you never know what this podcast is going to throw at you. And now here's your host, Carrie Bean. Hey, Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello, thanks for having me. Um, We are so excited to have Melanie Lacker on the show today because she wrote a book that I often give as a gift to clients who are having some emotional issues around money. So that's pretty much every client, right? (laughs) (laughs) Melanie's particular talent, in my um, opinion, is to really make it so that we don't feel alone. That's what I thought when I read her book um, called Dear Debt. And one of the things I loved the theme of it, like Dear Debt, like I'm breaking up with you. That's it. I'm done. Dear Debt, we're over. (laughs) (laughs) When I read that book for the first time, I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, this is amazing. And then I started giving it out as gifts to client. And I mentioned it to one of our colleagues, Carrie Bean, who happens to be the, her podcast here today. She's having a little bit of tef- technical difficulty. So I'm sort of um, winging it. I'm being her wingman today and, and, and helping her with the situation. But we got talking about the importance of people recognizing what's going on in their lives and really trying to get to the core of what that is. So we would love to hear your story behind writing the book and your journey and some of the amazing work that you're doing right now in the financial um, profession. Yeah. You know, the book really started because of my blog. And so I started my blog, Dear Debt, in January, 2013. And really the blog you know, was started at a really low place in my life. You know, all of 2012, the year before, was kind of a lost year for me. I was super depressed about my student loan debt. I had borrowed a total of $81,000 for two degrees for a bachelor's in theater and a master's in performance studies. And between my two degrees, I had worked full time for three years and, you know, was paying back my student loans in that time. And you know, even after making five years of payments, I graduated from NYU and had $68,000 left still. And I was in complete denial about it. And I felt like, how am I ever going to pay this back? And I felt so consumed with this number. And, you know, I was in so much denial that I kind of just ignored my debt for a while and pretended it wasn't there. And then, you know, once my grace period was up. I realized I couldn't afford to live in New York anymore. And so I made the tough decision to, to move to Portland, Oregon to, to lower my expenses, but also my then partner was there at the time. And so we decided to split a studio apartment and lower my costs and figured I would start fresh. But in Portland, things continue to be difficult. I only found temp work making 10 to $12 an hour, which certainly wasn't the life I was expecting after getting a master's degree. I was hoping to have a fabulous career in arts education or as a teacher or, you know, in academia and that, you know, just didn't happen. And so it was really me having a completely different life than I had imagined. And, you know, I thought I was getting into student loan debt to 
basically opened all these doors for myself, which didn't happen. And so 2012, I felt so anxious and so depressed. I felt really guilty. I felt really ashamed of all my student loan debt. And after a year of that, I just got really tired and realized something had to change. And so I thought, if I can put this much energy into something proactive, then maybe I have a shot of getting out of debt. And so I started my blog, Dear Debt, in January 2013, after I discovered personal finance blogs kind of at the end of 2012. And while I loved all the personal finance blogs that I found and read, I realized that no one was talking about the mental health aspect of debt. No one was talking about the emotional relationship to debt. And I thought, how is no one talking about this when I feel so consumed by these emotions around my debt? And, you know, right at that time, this was two years after Occupy Wall Street, which I happened to be at in New York when it happened. And, you know, the the conversation around student loans had just started to hit kind of an apex and people were talking about it. And, you know, the conversation had just started. So in a way it was kind of like right time, right place for me to start this conversation. And, you know, once I started my blog and said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to pay back my debt. I started getting other people reaching out to me and saying, I feel the same way. I'm so depressed about my debt. And really I was able to create a community of debt fighters who, you know, wrote these breakup letters to debt and were cheering me along with my monthly debt updates and, you know, they were paying off debt as well. And so the the blog completely changed my life in every single way. And, you know, I was able to pay off my debt in December, 2015, which I'm super excited about one year ahead of schedule. Yeah, it's super great. It was one year ahead of schedule from what I had um, said when I started my blog. And really the book was another weird part of this journey. So, you know, as I was writing my blog, I was starting to get recognition for the work that I was doing. And I actually won a Plutus Award for Best Debt Blog, I believe in 2015. And literally the day after I won, I got contacted by a publisher, Coventry House Publishing. And they said, we saw that you won Best Debt Blog. We're wondering if you're interested in turning your blog into a book. I was like, of course I am. Why wouldn't I be? And I thought this is such a great opportunity for me to increase my message and get the word out there. And then it just so happened that I was writing the book as I was kind of paying off the last of my debt. And so that was really wonderful to be actively writing the book and actually writing my story. And, you know, as the book ends, I have paid off my debt and I'm focusing on the next chapter. And so it was really great. The, the book was published in 2016 and, you know, that was my, my baby and, you know, was able to pay off my debt and have been debt free ever since. And I know you were just recently nominated for another Plutus Award. Um, I happened to see I was at FinCon as well, and I happened to see that you were nominated. Um, what was it like, first of all, just to take a step back, what was it like to win that award? Because that's that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was so great. It, it was so wonderful. Yeah, I've, you know, had such a great relationship with the Plutus Awards, and they've been so generous with me over the years. And winning Best Step Blog, I mean, obviously that first award just really completely changed my life and and got me a book deal. And obviously having a book deal really opens doors, being able to say that I'm an author, being able to have my words connect, 
you know, beyond just my blog has been amazing. And yeah, it's, it felt so awesome to be recognized for the work that I was doing. And especially cause I was still in debt at that point and felt like, wow, you know, I'm getting recognized for what I'm doing and I should keep going and people want to see me succeed. Well, I think it goes back to the comment that I made that, um, there is money is emotion, no matter what money is emotion. And, and the decisions that we often make about money are emotionally driven. Um, so not connecting it to when you take somebody, you said $86,000 was what you had in 81,000. Yeah. 81,000, um, was what you had in student loan debt. And when you look at that number and think, oh my gosh, like, how am I ever going to get out of this? A lot of people will bury their head in the sand and just say, I won't. So I'm not even going to try. Yeah. And, and then, and then there's that revolving emotion it, and it happens sometimes around food too, right? It's the same thing. Like, um, there's a great podcast totally. that I absolutely love that says it, the name of the podcast is diet starts tomorrow. I absolutely love that podcast. Cause you know, the <laughs> theme about it, the theme about it is okay. Like everybody said it, my diet's going to start tomorrow. Tomorrow. And a lot oh, of people, tomorrow, yeah. yeah, tomorrow. And a lot of people do that with finance too, or debt as well. And you took it um, the next step further and said, no, I'm like in your blog, I've read a lot of the different um, blogs that you've posted. You're just so honest about how it affected you, um, how it affected that emotion, that, that depression and, um, and, and that's brave to talk about. That's hugely brave to talk about when you started Thank writing you. that, what, um, did, did you do that? Because, okay, this is going to hold me accountable or like, Hey, I don't see anything else there. People need to know I'm not doing, I'm not alone in this. Mm-hmm. I would say it was mostly the latter. Mostly I didn't find anyone else talking about it. And I thought this needs to, you know, this cover needs to get off the top, you know, like we need to blow this out of the water because I know I'm not the only one that's feeling this way and no one's talking about it. And let's just lay it all out there because people need to know what is really going on in people's head who are borrowing tons of student loan debt and, you know, how it's affecting their lives after graduation. And I just, you know, really wanted to keep myself accountable with how I was feeling. And it was really a catharsis for me because I felt so paralyzed by my emotions that I couldn't take any action. And so me kind of expressing my emotions and getting the writing out there and sharing with the community was my way of saying, here's what I'm feeling and here's what I'm going to be doing next. And then that really kind of created a community of other people saying, I feel the same way and let's pay off debt together and, you know, encouraging each other. And, you know, I've never... I didn't know other people were feeling the same way as I was until my blog. And it was so refreshing mm. to hear so many people come out of the woodwork, you know, let me know they felt the same thing and that I wasn't alone and that they weren't alone. And it was just completely life-changing. I was on your website uh, in preparing for this podcast. And one of the things, there's a couple of things out there. If anybody's interested, it's deardebt.com. Um, there were a couple things out there that just stood out to me. And one of them was the Dear Debt Manifesto. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Dear Debt Manifesto is really about, you know, creating a space for 
people in the debt community to write Dear Debt letters and to create an open space. So, you know, I created the Dear Debt Manifestos, you know, a part of my site to really just kind of welcome people and say that this is not a space for shame. It's not a space for judgment, that everyone here is equal and that, you know, we're going to be respected and valued for our voices and our experiences. And, you know, that the Dear Debt letters are always welcomed and I don't edit them and that everyone's experience is valid and and voices should be heard. And it's really just about creating an inclusive community where people feel like they can express themselves and what's going on in a respectful environment. And then you also have, well, you have the Dear Debt Letters. So if people are looking for Mm -hmm. um, some, um, I guess, some direction that's on there. And then you also have the Susan. They could write a breakup letter debt too. (laughs) They could. They could. (laughs) Just like you started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and I know that they can get some materials. Yeah. Suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I've been organizing a suicide prevention blog tour for the past four years. And what happened was kind of my first year of blogging, I was looking at my stats and seeing, you know, what search terms people were finding me under. And I found that someone had searched, I want to kill myself because of debt and found my blog. And I was just completely, you know, grief stricken when I saw that and thought, wow, someone is Googling that and finding my site And I didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, I'm a writer. I guess I should write. (laughs) And so I wrote a post as if I were talking to that person. And, you know, I said, that is not a death sentence. You are not alone. It's not worth it. Um, You know, this is a temporary problem with a permanent solution. Like, this is not the way out. Please reach out to me. Here are some other resources. And so once I published that piece, you know, I was getting more and more traffic after that because I had written about the topic yet again. And it's been wild because over the past five years, that has been pretty much my number one search term is I want to kill myself because of debt or some variation of that. And it's been so incredibly difficult to deal with. And, you know, since then I've been getting emails almost weekly, definitely monthly from people who are feeling suicidal because of debt, who feel like they can't go on. And so in 2016, I decided to get my personal finance blogger friends together to really talk about this issue because, you know, as I said, no one was talking about it, but I said, this is becoming a crisis. I'm getting so many emails, so many comments you know, my blog is just one little space on the internet. Let's get the personal finance community together to really, you know, have a community effort to talk about this. And so I was able to get my friends to write blog posts about suicide, debt, and depression in the month of September, which is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And yeah, for 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, so four years, you know, I've had a community of bloggers who are, are writing about this topic. I've been on other podcasts talking about this issue. And it's something very near and dear to my heart. My um, grandfather, my maternal grandfather died by suicide. And I've had other family members die by suicide. And, you know, I've suffered from some suicidal ideation in the past as well, not because of debt, luckily, but 
I know how hopeless it can feel. And, you know, you just feel kind of so trapped and alone and like you can't see clearly. And so I understand when people are Googling, I want to kill myself because of debt. That's a cry for help in my opinion. And, you know, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a financial professional, but I'm a human being. I can, you know, provide a listening ear. I can respond the best that I can. And I try to do that. And that's what I've been doing over the past four or five years. And I've gotten some amazing feedback from some people. And, you know, sometimes I never hear from them again. And I'm like, oh, I have no idea what happened. I hope they're okay. And sometimes I've stayed in touch with people over the years who just keep emailing me here and there to say that they're doing okay and that they're paying off their debt. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was able to, you know, talk a a dad off the ledge who just was feeling so frantic. And, you know, I gave him information to contact the crisis text line. And he said they were really able to help him and he felt so much better. And, you know, that was just, that just made my day. And so I think, you know, being able to do this work and impact people has been so life-changing for me. I mean, obviously it's difficult. It, it never gets easier to get these emails, even though it's been years and years at this point, every time I get an email, it's still like my heart sinks into my stomach and I wonder what's going to happen. But, you know, it's something that I'm really passionate about and something that I've been kind of a crusader on. And a lot of people kind of know me as the money and mental health person or the debt, suicide and depression and have kind of accidentally become a, a mental health and money uh, advocate. And I'm, I'm happy to, to be that person. I, it's so scary. I, you know, I, I have a website as well. And I look at the terms that people are searching and I cannot imagine the emotion I would feel if I saw those words. I just, I can't even fathom. We don't, we don't see words like that on, you know, our search engine. And for you to, to not just see those words and say, oh, um, gosh, that's sad. The actions that you've taken are, are pretty darn amazing. We're, we're so thrilled that you could be here today to, to talk to people about this and to share some of the resources that they can go to. Uh, when, when they are thinking like that or feeling like that. So you, certainly your blog, that's one place that people can go and read through that and, and see what your journey was. And then secondly, the book. And look, if you can't afford the book, send me an email. I'll give you the book. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that's something that I think is, is really and also you can request it from the library as well. You know, there is this thing that called a library. It's pretty darn amazing. Usually free membership. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, it's something that mental health professionals also struggle with. I've had conversation with therapists where I have said, what do you do when somebody comes to you? because they are so depressed over money. And they've admitted to me that they can give them coping skills, but they don't know how to help them get out of that situation. So it's like this revolving conversation that they're having because they don't, they don't have the skill set to give the advice on the financial planning side or the, um, the debt management side. 
they have this skill set to give um, coping mechanisms and, and therapy. Have you been able to um, have you been able to make any headway in the therapy world so that they're that they know what to do to help a client, a person? You know, I don't know if I've been able to really kind of make any changes in that field yet. My goal right now is simply to build awareness that there is this intersection that you know between money and mental health. And I think what really needs to happen is there needs to be a conversation with financial professionals and mental health professionals. Um, I don't know how I can facilitate that at a larger scale, but that's something that I would be interested in. And obviously I'm going to continue to talk about it and hope that those kind of tides change because you know, when people do reach out to me, I do recommend, you know, going to therapy and, you know, like myself, I did go to therapy, um, and they were able to help me with coping skills, but yeah, you're right. They weren't able to help me with the the financial part. And so, um, and obviously one of the main problems is people feel like, oh, well, I'm in so much debt. I can't afford therapy. Um, which is another main problem. I was able to luckily find low cost counseling through the local graduate school, so there's a lot of, you know, graduate counseling programs where the counselors need training hours. So while they're not quite exactly licensed, they're like one semester away or something like that. So I was able to get affordable counseling but they're there. Closed. Yeah. And so they're, they're um, close to that. That, that. This is something they could, they could help with. Yeah, for sure. And so um, the sessions were $15 a session, but I was on food stamps at the time and I was able to negotiate it down to $5 a session. So, you know, I recommend people going to local graduate school for counseling. Um, I currently have a therapist through openpathcollective.org and that's um, between 30 to $80 a session. So not as cheap, but definitely cheaper than out of pocket, which can be, I think between 150 and 300 typically. And there's also a financial therapist. One of my favorite financial therapists is Amanda Clayman. You know, I also recommend people, you know, talk to a financial professional like you guys or, um, you know, someone from like the nonprofit credit counseling foundation. Um, but yeah, I think there needs to be more conversation between financial professionals and mental health professionals. Like how can we work together and, and create a resource just, just kind of like, you know, I think there needs to be more conversation between mental health professionals and regular doctors because there there is a link between your mental health and physical health that we seem to not acknowledge. I think, you know, there's definitely a link between mental health and financial health that we need to acknowledge as well and, and, and you know, share that information and, and share resources so that we're all on the same page helping each other. Um, I did kind of want to interrupt, I guess, if I could, and say um, – as far as the um, maybe shift gears a little bit on the, the debt side and the mental health side, when I think about how we, you know, as financial planners, when we talk to people about their finances and stuff, oftentimes it's not, it's not their, you know, investments or their portfolios and how they're invested that's keeping them up at night. It's definitely the debt and the amount of debt. And those seem to be, um, the things that are keeping people up at night. And so I wanted to, you know, it's a, could you talk about like, maybe not necessarily specific things that you did, but you know, how along your journey, you know, side hustles or different things that you did to pay off your debt quicker. Cause it seems like you paid it off very quickly. 
Yeah. So I would actually like to address that because it seems like I paid it off really quickly, but actually like there's like the, the sexy version of my story and like the not so sexy version of the story. So like (laughs) the not sexy version of the story is, you know, I went to school at two different times, 2006 and 2011, borrowed $81,000 and in total paid it off in about nine years because I paid the minimum on my loans for five years. And then I really got aggressive for four and a half years, but kind of like the fun, sexy version is that I paid off 68,000 of that 81,000 in four and a half years. And so that, you know, is kind of really where I picked up a lot of steam, you know, after just paying the minimum for, for five years, you know, the first five years, I just treated it like a, a bill, like, Oh, this is just pay the minimum. But once I graduated from NYU, I realized, oh my gosh, I really need to make some changes and and pay a lot more if I want to get out of debt. And I have to say that the number one thing that helped me pay off $68,000 in four and a half years was really earning more. And, you know, like I said, I was making 10 to $12 an hour and on food stamps when I first got to Portland. And I was a minimalist. I didn't have a car. I didn't have health insurance. I split a studio apartment with my partner and paid $400 in rent. And, you know, I cut back in every single way that I could. And so frugality hit a plateau for me pretty quickly. And so I realized the only way that I was able to pay off debt would be to earn more. And so I became addicted to side hustling. I became a brand ambassador, which is kind of, you know, those event people that you see giving out coupons or free swag at different events. And so that was my main side hustle for a long time. I also worked as a catering assistant. I also worked as a pet sitter. I did pretty much any gig you can imagine that I got paid for on TaskRabbit, on Craigslist. You know, I did so many different things, just anything that people would pay me for. I remember I worked overnight one time selling water bottles at a rave, which was pretty (laughs) interesting. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it was definitely one of the more memorable side hustles that I, I did. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make money. So you kind of get like the momentum going. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I I would just started to challenge myself, you know, every week, like what new way can I make money this week? How much can I make this week? And so I became addicted to earning more money and side hustling. And that was really the number one way I was able to pay off debt. But really you know, the blog turned into a freelance writing side hustle. And I was very happy about that because (laughs) as you can imagine with the brand ambassador work and (laughs) working overnight raves, (laughs) I was doing a lot of things here and there and it was quite exhausting. And so I thought if I can write from the comfort of my own home, that would be wonderful. And so I started to freelance write as a side hustle. And ultimately that led to me being self-employed And so I was able to quit the nonprofit job that I I did eventually find, you know, after two years of searching for a full-time job after graduation, I found a nonprofit job as an events and communications coordinator, making $31,000. And like, it was right at that time that I was starting to build my freelance writing side hustle. And I only lasted at that job for a year because then I was making pretty much the same amount of money at my side hustle. And so I quit my job which was crazy at the time because I had $40,000 in debt still. But I knew that I was going to be able to make more. And that first year of self-employment, I doubled my income from $30,000 to $60,000. And being able to 
you know, increase your income to 60,000 when your rent is $400. That was really, you know, what helped me pay off my debt much faster. Okay, sure. Um, so one of the questions I normally like to ask on this podcast, which is, you know, about strengthening our roots is what is one habit that has strengthened your roots that you feel like you are better because of it? And I think this question is important to me and it plays right into this because of the mental health aspect. Um, you know, I think about your momentum, uh, momentum. And once you started paying down your debt, I think you probably had a mind shift and you felt more positive. And so what is one habit that you feel like strengthened your roots Mm -hmm. and you're better because of it, such as maybe exercising or eating well or something like that? Like right now or in the past? Either. Like if you've, you know, started one in the past and you're still doing it or, you know, either just a, a habit that you feel like you're a better person because you've kind of started doing this. Yeah. I think, you know, the habit of, of having accountability with my blog is really what transformed my debt repayment journey. You know, I think it's really important to understand your motivational style. And so I encourage people to check out Gretchen Rubin. She has these four types, I think of motivation and I am a 1000% obliger, which I wish I wasn't, but an obliger is someone that is highly motivated by external uh, deadlines and feedback. I don't have a ton of internal motivation to keep myself accountable by myself, but when other people are involved, suddenly I'm very motivated. And so that was life-changing for me to find out and you know, being able to have a blog where people were expecting my debt repayment update every month, that I had a habit of writing, that really changed my life because I didn't want to disappoint them. Or if I, you know, did disappoint them, I wanted to do better the next month. And so that was definitely a habit that changed, you know, my roots. And then a habit that I've kind of had all along that has really gotten me through that difficult time without getting into more debt is I've been saving automatically, you know, since I have been working. And so even if it was just $20, I've been, you know, automating, a portion of my, you know, money each month from my checking to my savings. And, you know, sometimes you forget about it and you look at your savings and you're like, oh, wow, I had no idea there's that much in there. And, you know, having that moment is is really great. And that's really kind of what helped me survive that year because in 2012, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was still paying down debt. And that was because I had $10,000 saved I did choose to kind of whittle that money down to the bone almost to continue my debt repayment because I just felt so crazy by it. I don't don't necessarily recommend that for other people, but that's what I did is, you know, I used my savings to pay down debt while I was not making a lot of money. And so that, you know, habit of automating my savings when I was making good money or, you know, not good money, I was never making a ton of money before that, um, you know, really, really helped me. Which that was kind of my second question was, you know, what is one good money habit, you know, other than being debt free and um, for you, you know, what is one good money tip or habit that you feel like has made a difference uh, for you long term for your long term financial journey? And so I guess that would be uh, automate your savings. Yeah. And also just like have what what's really helped me is every single Sunday 
I spent about half an hour going through my personal checking and savings, my business checking and savings, my credit card statements. I just review all of the transactions to see where I'm at with the numbers, to see if there are any errors. And, you know, that really kind of helps me know where my spending's going. It helps me catch any errors or instances of fraud if, if that's an, a problem. And also just, you know, keeps me in touch with the numbers. I think sometimes we can be so divorced from what's actually going on with our finances. So having a weekly money date where you just check in on all of your accounts and see where you're at can really help. Oh yeah, I agree. I think sometimes too with the debit card, if you're not checking it, there's just this uh, mental math that you have to do and you just kind of are guessing what's out there. Yeah. And I hate that. So yeah, the if, mental calculus, yeah. you're like, I think I have this much. Yeah. It's like, how about let's not think, let's check. Yes. So I think uh, <laughs> before you get hit it, with an overdraft, baby. Yeah. I think a lot of people just like, oh, yeah. it's, you know, and, and there's such a emotional thing when you pay for cat with cash versus your debit card. I think there's something to be said about that too, even though I still use my debit card. Yeah, I the pain of handing over cash. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Gretchen Rubin for those that are interested in taking that assessment, which I have done, um, that you can go to GretchenRubin.com and you can actually take a little bit of a quiz. Um, I am the type of, I, and Carrie will laugh when she hears this, but um, I'm a, I am definitely the type of person that beats myself up pretty easily. Like I can set lofty goals that are unrealistic and I will get them done. Um, it's an internal thing with me, but it, that does cause its own stress because nobody has said you have to get this done by a particular time or you have to achieve this by a particular time other than me. And, um, you know, there's, there's a balance somewhere in the middle between having to put it out there in the world for, everybody else to see, to hold you accountable. And my crazy little conversations that go on in my head sometimes that I think has to get it done. <laughs> um, I think Carrie said one time to me, I'm, I, I'm not telling you my idea because I know you're going to make me do it tomorrow. <laughs> and, and she didn't mean it. Yes. No. <laughs> I have come up with two or three ideas since working with Amy and I'm like, okay, I'm not mentioning anything else <laughs> because I'm like, let's do it. What do you want? When do you want to get it done? <laughs> um, Mel, we, we are so thankful for you being on the show. Is there two, one or two tips that you really want to share with the world, bring your light into the world. There's so many things I could say about you, but are there things that you really want people to know about you or for people to know about where they should go when they are experiencing what you have experienced. Yeah, I just want people to know that they're not alone and that they can always reach out to people and that you know, oftentimes when we feel that low, it's like the last thing we want to do is to reach out, but it really can change your life. And so I recommend going to the crisis text line. You can text home to 741-741. There's also, also the national suicide prevention hotline. And, you know, just reach out to your friends and feel like, you know, that this is something that you can tackle and that you're absolutely not alone. I mean, debt is such 
an issue for so many people that there's no reason to internalize it to this level. Um, in regards to tips, you know, I definitely recommend, um, that people, excuse me, calculate their daily interest. So that's something that really kind of motivated me to pay off debt as I realized I was paying $11 a day in interest, which just made me so angry and, but also motivated to pay off debt. So from a financial standpoint, calculate your daily interest, so you know, the true cost of your loan and let that inspire you rather than deter you. And think about what your life's going to look like after you pay off debt. I had a debt-free dream list of all the things that I was going to do once I paid off debt. I was going to move back to Los Angeles. I was going to get cats. I was going to take my mom to Italy. And those are all things that I've been able to accomplish since paying off debt. And it's been so sweet because I did, you know, work very hard for five years, almost seven days a week and did not have the life that I wanted then, but I have the life I wanted now. And so realize that you can dream bigger and let those dreams inspire you. And then also, you know, when you're dealing with debt fatigue and feeling so low and frustrated now, take an inventory of the things you are grateful for. And I know this can sound really annoying when you're really depressed. Like I know when I first started therapy my therapist was like, I want you to start taking an inventory of what you're grateful for, you know, three things every day. And I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I was like, ah, this is stupid. But really like after, after a week, give it a full week, your brain starts to change and you're like, wow, like I have a roof over my head and this hot coffee is pretty nice. And it's really great to have access to a hot bath or, Oh, I have a best friend who really cares about me or wow. It's so nice to have paying work that helps me pay my rent. You know, really just being grateful for the things that you do have because we get so stuck in the things that we don't have. And that kind of really encourages us down like the spiral. But if you take an an inventory of all the things you do have, you have a roof over your head, you have food, you have family, you have friends you can talk to, that's really the basis of a rich life, no matter how much money you have. I think also, um, I think one of the things that you say over and over again in maybe different ways, so I hope you don't mind me putting words in your mouth and please correct me if I've misinterpreted. But I think one of the lessons that I see in your words is that um, if you feel like if you do feel very depressed and overwhelmed by debt, um, unfortunately in our country, depression and anxiety and all of those things are not looked at as a real illness yet. Um, not the way it should be. You know, when somebody is diagnosed with a, some kind of major illness like cancer or dementia or anything like that, it, it's, it's looked at as real. But when somebody says debt or anything in life has made me depressed or, you know, they, they're, they're, for some reason as a country, we have not embraced that that is real. And without seeking out a mechanism for coping with that, um, our health is then going to be affected. And there's real proof that says people that are depressed have aches and pains that, that go away when, when treated, that um, social interaction increases when people 
aren't feeling depressed and headaches go. I mean, there's all of this research around the links of both physical and mental connectivity. And if money is causing that, that is a real issue too. And knowing that it it's not it's it's not quote unquote in your head <laughs> that that's um that that there is help and you know one other organization that i know of that many of the cooperative extensions that exist out there in the united states do have a money management like um you know part of them and often it is free uh, for people to go and get get some debt um, counseling. And um, many of the volunteers are like CFPs and um, money coaches and that sort of thing. So they're trained in, in those kinds of things as well. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there and, and tell you what I thought I read when I was reading some of your materials because... Um, I wanted people to understand that it, this is something that we, we all take very seriously, all, all three of us on this conversation, and we do not want you to feel alone. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's so crazy to me because if you had a broken arm or a broken leg, you would go to the doctor and no one would question you. But if you go and, you know, you tell people that you're not feeling well or that you're depressed, you know, people think that you're being hyperbolic or it's just in your head or just get over it. But if you've never experienced depression where you don't feel like yourself, where you can barely get out of bed, where you can't eat, you can't sleep, or maybe you eat and sleep too much, you know, you just don't know and you, you never know what people are going through. And so it's definitely something that we need to recognize that it's real. And, you know, what I learned two years ago when I had a, another depressive episode is that sometimes your body knows things before your mind does. And so, yeah, those aches and pains and those headaches, like that's telling you something. I was dealing with that two years ago where I was having a lot of mental health issues, but also concurrently a lot of physical health issues. And once I addressed both of them, I felt so much better. And, you know, mental health is something that you can manage. Like if you have diabetes, it's something that you manage. For me, mental health is something I manage every day. I go to therapy weekly. I take medication every day and I don't feel ashamed about it either. And I'm totally happy to talk about it because I want to destigmatize it because it should be as normal as saying, oh, I take my diabetes medication mm -hmm. or I take my insulin and, you know, it's no problem. And for people mm -hmm. that do mm -hmm. suffer for it long-term and it's not necessarily just situational, it's something that you manage, but you can manage it. And, you know, it is work that you have to put in every day, but it is possible to manage it and not let it overcome your life. Thank you for sharing that. We, we are so honored again, that you have taken the time out of your busy day to be on the Strong Roots podcast. And um, Carrie, if your mic is working, any final questions from you? Oh, no. I hope it's working. And I want to thank you, Melanie, for doing this and Amy for <laughs> really, <laughs> of course. Now. <laughs> um, and thanks, Amy, for asking all the great questions. Um, <laughs> I really We're want people to go read some of the letters on the website. Mm -hmm. I think they're pretty inspiring. It's fun to 
you know, read through them and see how people are talking to their debt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. The stories, the stories are incredible. Um, there's been a couple in there where I just, I don't know these people, but I would almost love to look up, like look them up and give them a, like a hug. I mean, <laughs> it's just, as you read more and more of them, you, you feel, um, you can sense the warmth of the community that you formed. And I actually looked, tried to find you on, um, Facebook. Mm hmm. And what I found was a bunch of articles that you wrote, but I never actually found you <laughs> or oh, your really? or Dear Dad. I didn't anyways. Okay, yeah, um, Dear Dad. Yeah, I found Facebook, a ton of different... Uh, I'm on Facebook as Melanie Lockhart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what I was looking for, because I was thinking your company. So I was oh, looking God, for like, it. you know, Dear Dad yeah, is a yeah. company, Facebook page or group or something like that. And what was interesting about that, just so you know, like when I, when I did that search was it took me to all sorts of different people's pages where people had shared articles that you wrote. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, I just <laughs> across the gamut. You should, because like I said, when I went out on Facebook and just, you know, put in the search engine, Dear Dad, it just, um, it really, it was enlightening to me to see like some of the pages that you showed up on just I mean, one of them was your suicide prevention um, share from uh, 2018. And another one was depression is a liar. That one was like mm -hmm. also 2018. And there was um, dear debt, you almost killed me. And these were some of the top ones. And that yeah. was July of 2018. Uh, it just, and some of the websites were like the budgetista, which is yeah. a, a Facebook page that I follow. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tiffany Alicia. She's I am. amazing woman in the profession. Um, Larry, um, I think it's pronounced Gihen is another one. Um, her money from Jean Chatsky. Mm -hmm. yeah. There was several out on her, uh, her group page. So, um, and then of course the FinCon community, mm -hmm. there was definitely mention of you mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. But these are, um, you, you are making an, an enormous impact on the community. And again, just want to say thank you so much for, um, for taking the time to talk to us today for all the work that you've been doing and your ambassadorship, your hard work. Um, you know, people talk about being a quote unquote overnight success. And, um, whenever somebody says that to me, I roll my eyes and say, sure, 25 years worth of it. Yes. <laughs> 25 years overnight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you again for being on the show and, and we, um, we're here to support your, growth and, and everything that you're doing, um, to, to help people in the community. Thank you so much. I really appreciate, um, being on here and, and sharing my story and hopefully inspiring others. And that will about wrap up this episode of the Strongers podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to tune in next time for more ways to strengthen our roots.